You're listening to Tech Tank, a bi-weekly podcast from the Brookings Institution, exploring the most consequential technology issues of our time. From racial bias and algorithms to the future of work, Tech Tank takes big ideas and makes them accessible. Thanks for joining our Brookings Tech Tank podcast. I'm Daryl West, Senior Fellow in the Center for Technology Innovation at the Brookings Institution. With the 2024 elections coming up, political tensions are running high as candidates jockey for position. Voting for both primaries and caucuses will start early next year, and each party is facing a number of challenges. One of the topics that is generating considerable concern is generative AI. That tool uses recent advances in AI to develop pictures, videos, text responses, software, and many other things. Republicans have used generative AI to develop ads attacking Joe Biden and alleging a dystopian future if he wins re-election, while other ads depict Donald Trump being dragged off by the police during one of his many indictments. So to discuss these issues, I am pleased to be joined by Elaine Kmart. She is a Senior Fellow in Governance Studies at Brookings and Director of our Center for Effective Public Management. We will discuss how AI could inflame public passions and affect the upcoming elections. So, Elaine, welcome to our Brookings Tech Tank podcast. Thank you for having me, Daryl. So a few months ago, I published a Brookings article entitled, How AI Will Transform the 2024 Elections. And in that piece, I argued that generative AI democratizes the election by bringing very sophisticated AI to the ordinary person. Through prompts and templates, basically anybody can generate fake videos, fake press releases, fake news stories, or other types of false narratives. And so these things could increase disinformation in the upcoming campaign, shorten the response times, because AI can do this in a matter of minutes, uh, and enable very precise micro-targeting of campaign messages. Indeed, I am predicting a tsunami of disinformation in the 2024 campaign through fake videos and audio tapes. And those of you who want additional details on potential problems, you can read that paper on the Brookings website at brookings.edu. Elaine, I'd like to get your views on AI and the upcoming elections. And I know that you are concerned about fake videos and audio tapes. What are your major concerns about how AI could affect this election? Well, Daryl, I think we ought to start by making sure people think about the following fact. Um, disinformation is bad wherever it shows up. And of course, during COVID, we were um, treated to a, a tsunami of disinformation about vaccines, about the disease itself, about possible cures, et cetera. Um, but there was, we, the government worked at it, civil society worked at it, and, and by and large, while there are still some holdouts, most people in the United States got vaccinated, and it did help us to end the, um, the pandemic. So what scares me most about AI in elections is the last minute dump of something that goes viral in 24 hours 
And let's suppose that's 48 hours prior to election day or even 24 hours prior to election day. Um, that unlike, say, you know, false information about, uh, about the vaccine or about a drug, um, there's no time to fix it. The, you have no time. So many people have already heard it because these things move so quickly. And you might simply run out of time in election, and it may in fact affect the outcome, especially in a close election. So that's a big difference between elections and other spheres of society where disinformation is also uh, prevalent. I think that is a great point, and certainly the possibility of last-minute appeals uh, could be uh, very important. And the other thing we do know about the 2024 presidential election is it is likely to be very close. Like almost all of the election uh, polls that have come out so far show a very uh, close race between the two expected nominees, uh, Biden and Trump. Oftentimes, the undecided vote is down in single digits. It may just be 7 or 8% of the American public that is undecided. And so this could be an election that ends up getting decided on fake videos. Like if there's some false charge that pops up at the last minute, it goes viral, and it sways 100,000, 200,000, or 300,000 people, like that could be the difference in this election. You bet. That, that is exactly the problem. And, you know, we do have examples like in the French election when Macron was elected the first time. We have examples where campaigns have successfully fought back against last minute disinformation. Um, but in France, they had one advantage we don't have, which is they have a law that forbids uh, campaigning uh, and putting out information in the 48 hours or maybe 72 hours um, before election day. And so that gave them a little bit of breathing room there. We don't have such a law and therefore we are extremely vulnerable right up until the very, very last minute. And with the combination of AI and social media platforms spreading information, that can become a very toxic combination. So one of the things I've been thinking about is like some examples of things that could happen just based on the way the campaign's developing and the types of issues that have popped up. So we know the Republicans are going after President Biden on the alleged financial connections to China. Like this is part of the Hunter Biden probe and alleging you know financial dealings and uh, you know, some Republicans have said uh, Biden has gotten bribes from uh, Chinese entities. Now, there's no evidence to actually support that claim. But what happens if in a fall of 2024, there's a video that pops up that basically shows Biden meeting with Chinese individuals, the Chinese people basically saying, hey, we'll give you a bunch of money if you tilt American foreign policy in a particular direction. That video could, leak, could look completely authentic tie directly into Republican messaging and create a huge problem for Biden and uh, possibly decide the election. And then on the Republican side, you could also imagine something similar happening to uh, Donald Trump. Like, you know, he has been accused and, you know, in many cases, it seems to actually be the case of having affairs uh, with uh, various uh, women. What if there is a fake video that comes out at the last minute from a woman saying, yes, I had an affair with Trump. And I got pregnant as a result of that, and he forced me to have an abortion. 
And given Trump's position on abortion, his support among fundamentalist Christians, like that type of fake video could actually be devastating for him in the same way that the Chinese example could be that devastating for Biden. And so, you know, when I think about possible examples of how AI could be misused and create havoc in the election, like those are kind of possibilities that uh, loom uh, very large. But I'm just curious how you see the opportunities to do uh, things like that and possibly influence the course of this election. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are a lot of ways that this could happen. The Republicans have tried to make a big deal out of Biden's health. So it's you can expect to see a lot of videos that show Biden falling down, collapsed, um, you know, um, not able to speak, etc. And those videos would go into the mainstream as, hey, the guy's falling apart. You can't vote for him. Now, I, I have a, a story about that. And it goes to one of the ways that I think we ought to, um, and those of us in the public need to use just common sense when we're looking at some of this stuff. Um you may remember, Daryl, a Buffalo Bills football player named DeMar Hamlin. Uh, he collapsed on the field in January of 2022 from a uh, cardiac arrest, which they quickly reversed. Um, by September of 2022, he was playing football again. Now, in the interim, a group that was making a video against um, COVID vaccines called Died Suddenly, used that picture to claim that DeMar Hamlin had died from a COVID vaccine. Well, when DeMar, DeMar Hamlin appeared on the uh, field in September, uh, the producer was asked, hey, um, we thought you said he was dead from the COVID shot. And the producer said, oh, that's not really DeMar Hamlin, that's a body double. Now, you have to stop for a minute and say, okay, I'm sure there's probably some people out there in the world who look like DeMar Hamlin, but how many people out there in the world who look like DeMar Hamlin can also go onto the field of a pro football game and play football in that you know, very, very highly skilled uh, group of, with that very highly skilled group of people? Um, you know, you got to stop and think about it, and it just doesn't make common sense. Similarly, if Joe Biden was taking money from the Chinese, why would there be a videotape of him saying, I'm taking money, or a videotape saying, uh, or a video showing him taking a bag of cash or, or something that, you know, people would cook up? You'd have to sort of stop and say, What? How, why would he do that there? Why would that happen, et cetera? So I really think that one of the things the public can do for all of this last minute stuff is kind of say, wait a minute, how do we know that's true? And of course, we're encountering a lot of that as we speak here with the war in Israel and between Israel and Hamas. A lot of things people are saying, huh, is that true? Is that true? So we're already encountering it. 
Yeah, no, those are uh, great examples. And certainly there are a lot of disturbing uh, things that uh, we are all seeing. Now, earlier you mentioned this issue of micro-targeting election appeals. And in some of the examples you gave, and you suggest, you know, we should have a common sense perspective on evaluating uh, videos or other types of information that we see, like maybe 90% of the American public already have made up their mind on a Biden or Trump uh, in either uh, direction. One of my concerns is kind of that last eight to 10% that are undecided. And so what I'm wondering is how AI could actually help uh, campaigners figure out what are the right messages for those undecided voters? Like, what are the things that they uh, care about? And keep in mind, these undecided voters have already gone through four years of a Trump presidency and three years of a Biden presidency, and they still claim that they are undecided. So it raises an interesting issue of, like, what is going to make them decide? Like, what's going to move them one way or another? So who do you think are the kinds of voters who could be affected by false videos, these last minute appeals that you've been talking about, body double ads or other such things? Well, you know, in political science, there's a term for that, low information voters. In other words, people who really don't pay much attention to politics, they tend not to have, not to identify with either political party. Sometimes they say they don't like either party. Some, A lot of times, frankly, they just don't know. And they don't have a lot of information about politics. And therefore, you know, sort of outrageous claims from one side or the other um, can really have an impact on these voters. These are voters who probably don't vote in midterm elections or, or gubernatorial elections or other elections, but they will come out because of the excitement to vote in a presidential election. They are susceptible to kind of um, extreme stories because they, they tend to have no context for what they're hearing, and therefore will take it at face value. So there's some other issues that people are worrying about related to technology and this election. And one of the big questions is really just election security in general. And we all know the dangers of uh, people being hacked, uh, cyber intrusions, there are all sorts of cybersecurity uh, threats uh, coming from around the world. And so I'm just wondering about this whole issue of election administration, how we actually run elections, how we tabulate the votes. Like, are there either AI or other tech-related problems that you worry about in regard to election security? You know, I worry a little bit less about election security than I do about AI in the campaigns. However, it, well, and, and that's because what's happened in election security is starting in 2016, when the Russians clearly tried to hack into various voting systems, um, the U.S. federal government put out a fair amount of money, not as much as some people would like, but a fair amount of money for states to harden their election infrastructure. I know that last summer's um, National Association of State uh, secretaries of state met, and this was the topic, was election security. And there's two aspects to it. One is the actual process for security, like making sure that the ballots themselves are protected, that there's what they call a chain of custody of the ballots throughout the election process, so nobody can 
copy them and nobody can insert fake, um, you know, fake ballots into the process. But the way the counting is presented to the public has been a huge source of misinformation and frankly, um, paranoia. And we saw this dramatically in 2020. Uh, Trump decided that paper ballots were a, a, a scam to prevent him from getting reelected. He decided that be months before a ballot was even cast. And he convinced his people to vote in person, that there was something wrong with paper ballots, that his votes were going to be thrown out, et cetera, et cetera. So he convinced his people to vote in person, which they did. And the way the election apparatus worked in many states, the in-person vote came in, um, you know, at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And then as the absentee ballots were, were counted and added into the vote later on in the evening, sometimes the early morning, surprise, surprise, the vote totals changed because Democrats tended to vote absentee. Now, what I still hear to this day, you still hear people say, well, um, Trump was ahead and then suddenly Biden won. Uh, and they, they're convinced that in between there's something funny happened. All that happened was a different set of ballots got counted. So I think one of the things they are now aware of, this, this is election administrators, is they've got to do something about that. In 2022, they were very careful to say this does not include absentee ballots. Frankly, I'm not sure that goes far enough. I would really like to see um, election results not announced until the following day when, when you've got 99% of the ballots in. As for the vote itself, I think that's pretty secure because one of the things that the country did after 2016 was we had paper ballots as well as the electronic voting machines. So there's going to be a terrific, um, you know, there's going to be a terrific amount of security in this election and ways of, of you know, um, double checking the election results. So those are all uh, great points, Elaine. And I agree that I think in general, our, we do have uh, good infrastructure in place on election security. But there is one thing that I worry about on the AI front uh, in terms of election administration, and that comes to the issue of states cleaning up the voting rolls, like, you know, getting rid of dead people and making sure people are not voting twice and so on. Because there are some states that are using AI to match names. And if, for example, you registered to vote under the name of John Smith, uh, but then when you actually cast your absentee ballot, you might sign your name John C. Smith with your middle initial, that name matching algorithm may think you are two different people and kick one of the individuals off the uh, voting rolls, and that could be you. And if this is used in a very selective way, say, to get rid of minority voters or other voters who are known to cast ballots in a particular way, like this is something people in states and localities should be keeping their eye on to see how their local election administrators are cleaning up the voting rolls. And is there any way in which AI is being misused uh, for that purpose? Yeah, I think that's a definite possibility. And frankly, even without AI, um, some states have sought to, to suppress the black vote by 
you know, by being sort of uh, extra, extra meticulous about signatures. And if you don't put that middle initial in the signature, they throw you out and things like that. Um, that is been well litigated. Um, it is something that both political parties watch out for. I mean, the Democratic National Committee has God knows how many lawyers devoted just to uh, voter rolls and voter registration, and so do the Republicans. So it's you do have a... Uh, the one thing about that is that while it is a very... Uh, there, it's a place for a lot of mischief, it is also a place where you have two large institutions with every incentive to watch out for mischief. And those are the two political parties. So I, I do think we will hear, if that's going on, we'll hear about it, we'll know about it, it might go to court, etc. But I don't think it'll slip past unnoticed. So I'm, that's why I'm a little bit more sanguine about that. So I'd also like to ask you about the issue of foreign adversaries and technology, because we know there are many countries around the world who see this as a high stakes election, an election that has consequences for them uh, through American foreign policy. And there are some countries that already have a preferred candidate, uh, at least at the presidential level. And this could include Russia, China, Iran, the Saudis, maybe Israel, uh, depending on how uh, the war goes. So I'm just curious about this issue of possible misuse either of AI and or social media uh, platforms by foreign adversaries and what we should worry about in that regard. Well, that we've, uh, we, A, we've already seen that and you don't have to go to AI to learn that. I mean, the, the Soviet Union spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to exacerbate the tensions that are already in American society on race. Race was has been the, the big entry point for a lot of people. And long before the computer, computer era, um, the Soviet Union was trying to weaken American society by deepening the racial divisions that were already there. And they did this through propaganda. They did this through funding extreme groups um, in a whole variety of ways. Now they have an infinitely bigger toolbox to do this, and there's no doubt that they are doing it, um, and no doubt that the Iranians and the Chinese, et cetera, will also be doing it. So um, I think foreign intervention is something we need to watch out for. Now, sometimes the foreign intervention is easier to spot. You know, sometimes they just don't quite get it right, and you can sort of say, oh, oh well, look at that. But um, they also have another trick, and that trick is to funnel money to American groups that will message the way they want messaging done and then have Americans actually do the creation of the, of the ads and the, and the AI and the, the, uh, the campaigns, have, have the social media campaigns essentially conducted by Americans, but they're funding. And so we find on the alt-right, on the far right, um, a lot of uh, so what looks like Russian money in those organizations, and but they are Americans doing them, so they don't make the sorts of mistakes that I think a lot of the Russians made in 2016. That's very worrisome because they're using money to 
um, strengthen pieces of the American political sector that frankly wouldn't be very strong without this influx of cash. I mean, it seems to me like this is an area, the, the question of foreign intervention, where there should be a bipartisan consensus. Like neither party should want foreign entities to decide American elections. So I'm hoping that uh, both parties can come together and make sure that uh, uh, those uh, problems do, do not develop. So we have outlined a number of possible problems in terms of AI and the upcoming election, but I want to uh, close our conversation by turning to possible remedies, what we can do. What can we do to protect our elections and guard against some of the disinformation threats that we've seen, the risks of fake videos and fake audio tapes and other ways in which technology may mess up the upcoming election? Well, the first one is to simply educate people about AI and encourage them to use common sense. You know, when you see a story that says that Hillary Clinton has been running a pedophilia ring out of a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C., you step back for a minute and ask yourself, how, if this was really happening, how come a woman who has been in the public eye for a quarter of a century, first as first lady, then as senator, then as a presidential candidate, how come nobody ever figured this out? right? <laughs> I mean, you got to just say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. And I think there's a lot of AI stuff because, you know, let's face it, if you want it to spread through the internet, you need to make it sensational. And if it's sensational, a lot of times you have to stop and say, does this make sense? Okay. <laughs> Before you click and send it on to your friends, because that's one of the ways these things spread. Um, I think the second way is to do some regulation. And, and here, of course, Daryl, we, and we've talked about this, you run up right against the First Amendment. That's a problem. Um, but some regulation, for instance, um, the financial incentives around disinformation are pretty intense. Alex Jones with the InfoWars made a fortune publicizing the fact that the Sandy um, that the, the school shootings in Connecticut at Sandy Hook were fake and were faked. And, you know, it was not only horribly hurtful to those families, but, but the fact of the matter is that he was, he was profiting off the terror that had, in fact, happened there. Um, and so we've got to somehow hold people accountable and not let them make a fortune doing this. Cause that's, you know, a lot of this stuff is not done for ideological purposes. A lot of this stuff is done because you can make money. Um, I think that there's, we've got to figure out some way of holding people accountable for the harm that results. Um, these lies kill very often. All you have to do is, is talk to the Rohingya refugees um, who were, set upon in a genocidal attack in Burma, largely because of lies that were perpetrated on Facebook in that country. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can do um, and still preserve the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. It's tricky, but frankly, you know what the best one is? The best one is citizens have to just get very skeptical about the stuff that they see. And I, I have great hope for the Americans, although it might take a while, because 
we have become very, very good consumers. You can show a beautiful car on television driven by a beautiful woman. And if the, if the reporting around it is that the doors fall off when you, when you drive the car 20 miles, um, guess what? Nobody buys that car. Um, we're pretty skeptical about what we see as consumers. And I think what we have to do now, our, the next challenge for us as a society is to get very skeptical about what we see coming over the internet, particularly if it is sensational. I think skepticism is a good bit of advice for the ordinary person who wants to protect uh, him or herself, because in this world of digital transmissions, there are going to be a lot of fake things. And I think you're right. We need to use uh, common sense in evaluating information. I just want to add a couple of other uh, possibilities. So I know in Congress, there's some bills uh, percolating now uh, requiring disclosure on the use of AI-generated content in advertising. Like disclosure has been a bedrock principle principle in the sense of campaign ads already have disclosure requirements on who paid for the ad, who is sponsoring the ad. In the campaign finance area, we long have had disclosure rules on contributions over $200 per candidate. And so uh, some uh, members have uh, bills uh, basically requiring disclosure on campaign ads that include AI-generated content, just on the idea that people should be especially aware of the possibility of fake content being generated uh, if there is AI uh, as part of that uh, content creation uh, process. The other idea I would put on the table as ways we can protect our election is just the simple rule of prohibiting illegal activity through digital means. I mean, our laws already create a lot of situations where financial fraud is illegal, deceptive practices are illegal. We need to import the restrictions we already have in place in the physical world into the digital world. So in the campaign area in particular, we need to make sure that there's so much money that circulates around campaigning these days. Like, you know, we're going to spend billions of dollars on the 2024 election. The opportunity for financial fraud through campaign activities actually is quite high. And so uh, uh, authorities need to be on guard for those types of cases, and they should definitely prosecute uh, people. Uh, other illegal activities, there are lots of ways in which, you know, it's illegal to tell people the election is on Wednesday as opposed to Tuesday. Uh, so we just need to kind of enforce that in a digital space. Like today, we often don't. Like there's stuff that's illegal elsewhere, but not necessarily in the digital world. We need to correct that loophole and make sure all the things that we currently think should be illegal are also illegal in a uh, digital means. That's a, re that's but a really good point, Daryl. And, and the one thing that is going to be really problematic in that is that we have trouble finding out where this stuff comes from. And I think we need people with more tech savvy than me um, have to get really good at figuring out the sources of these things. And then I think you're absolutely right. We can we can we can prosecute. Yeah. And one of the problems on social media platforms is some of them allow for anonymous accounts, meaning that people can post stuff under a fake name or 
or or no name at all, but it can go out to uh, the entire world. I have long argued we should not have fake accounts on social media platforms. Like, you know, if you're doing something illegal, we need to have the means to hold you accountable right. uh, for that. So I do think that is a, a loophole that we need to close on some of the platforms. Not, not all of them allow anonymous uh, posting, but uh, some of them uh, do. So, uh, Elaine, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. At Brookings, we write regularly about digital technology. You can find more information on our Brookings Tech Tank blog, as well as on Elaine's FixGov blog. And both of them are located at brookings.edu. So thank you very much for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to Tech Tank, a series of roundtable discussions and interviews with technology experts and policymakers. For more conversations like this, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the Tech Tank newsletter for more research and analysis from the Center for Technology Innovation at Brookings.